Welcome to Rethink, the future of skilled nursing, a podcast from Skilled Nursing News. I'm your host, Maggie Flynn. This podcast is sponsored by the Skilled Nursing News Rethink virtual conference on September 30th, focused on the issues and challenges facing the industry and featuring C-suite executives from national providers, real estate investment trusts, and other industry thought leaders shaping the national discussion for skilled nursing and therapy. Visit skillednursingnews.com events for more information and how to purchase a ticket for this virtual event on September 30th. Pruitt Health was one of the skilled nursing operators who saw opportunity in the institutional special needs plan model. And according to Pruitt's new corporate medical officer, that puts the operator in a unique position to navigate the COVID-19 crisis. I caught up with her to talk about why. I'm joined by Dr. Ravel Stallings, who is the corporate medical officer and senior vice president of Pruitt Health Physician Services. Dr. Stallings, thank you so much for joining me on Rethink today. Thank you for having me. So I wanted to go into some of the responsibilities that you will have as a corporate medical officer and senior vice president of Pruitt Health Physician Services. During the time of COVID-19, my editor and I have talked about how increasingly the only people we want to talk to now are someone who has medical officer in their title. So in this role, you're going to be working with the organization's quality and safety initiatives, providing clinical leadership for Pruitt Health Premier and Pruitt Health Physician Services. So I know that you worked with both of these entities prior to this promotion. Can you go into what you did for Pruitt Health Premier and the physician services? And then what's going to be different now that you're in this new position? Yes. Well, I joined Pruitt Health uh, just a little over 18 months ago. And when I was initially hired, it was to be the medical director of their Medicare Advantage Health Plan, Pruitt Health Premier. It is a special needs Medicare Advantage Health Plan, meaning it was offered as a insurance, Medicare insurance health plan in their facility, some of their facilities. We offered the ability to provide a unique model of care that provided kind of boots on the ground, nurse practitioner, physician assistants within their facilities to monitor acute changes, to address those, to decrease hospitalization, rehospitalization, and to really assess the acuity and the underlying kind of comorbid conditions that we can see with individuals that reside in long-term health facilities. My role um, kind of really expanded organically as COVID-19 became a global pandemic. I had experience in kind of physician-led organizations before, and uh, Pruitt had, um, you know, initiated their own kind of physician services, having medical directors and nurse practitioners being kind of the attending model in a number of facilities in their Atlanta area. And as we saw the pandemic really kind of outbreak in those facilities, not only in Georgia, but also in other facilities in other states, it was imperative to kind of have that communication with the attending medical directors at facilities to make sure that we were aligned both from a clinical delivery, quality delivery, safety, and regulatory. And so kind of understanding clinical practice oversight understanding and get in alignment with required and results really kind of led generically and I'm sorry, organically to the promotion. And so now 
I work very closely with our chief clinical officer of Pruitt Health, as well as medical directors that are not employees, but are contracted providers at our facilities and other organizations and ancillary cares in the organization, such as kind of hospice, home health, um, pharmacy, and the such. So it's just really kind of expanded a little bit of uh, what I was doing initially. The special needs plan is, is interesting. And I want to ask about that work because back before all of this happened, I would talk with so many people in the skilled nursing space and the nursing home world who are really interested and really intrigued by the concept of moving into the special needs plans. I can't tell you, I'm sure, I'm sure you saw many of them, the conference presentations on iSNPs, for instance, just how many of those were there. It was, it was a really hot topic in the skilled nursing world for a while. And I'm curious in the pandemic, what has been the experience in having the institutional special needs plan? The, I think there's a dual special needs plan as well. What has that been like? And I guess, what is it like being in that insurance field as a long-term care provider in this particular pandemic? Um, I think it's, it really kind of puts us in a unique place, particularly Pruitt, because, you know, when you think of institutional special needs plans, a number of organizations can decide in the commercial world to initiate that. But Pruitt is a little unique in the sense that we also provide the facility. You know, there's Pruitt Health, all of its long-term care facilities. There's Pruitt Health, hospice, pharmacy. And so it is unique to work, even though we're very separate in the sense of our special needs plan and what we have to provide from a regulatory sense, but that really kind of have the complete offerings of services that you really need to have in place to support, I think, successfully. And when I say successfully, I'm really talking about the clinical outcomes of the patients and enrollees in these plans. And so it's been um, unique. And, and at the same time, I think we have had the advantage of having all the best that Pruitt Health in general has to offer with our skilled nursing facilities because they are, you know, manned well, not only by medical directors, but also the nursing staff there. We have our own wound care services at Pruitt Health. So our members really didn't have any interruption in care by having to go out to wound care services. We also have our own physical therapy. So so there were a number of advantages of having kind of, you know, the Pruitt Health Premier iSNP within Pruitt Health facilities and all of the ancillary services that Pruitt Health has to offer. I think just like any other plan, we've definitely saw the increasing utilization of services, though. We've had to definitely increase our skill in place. So patients in monitoring for COVID in particular, a fever, respiratory changes, increasing the type of nursing services to care for individuals that have become COVID-19 positive but did not require hospitalization. And so we definitely had to adjust the frequency in, in which we were seeing those patients. Sometimes it meant instituting telehealth. You know, I tell people COVID-19 has been the uh, kind of great, you know, initiator of change in how we really 
provide health care because we really looked at early on how do we manage our patients that were COVID negative and not introduce risk to them, but still providing care and also needing to assess and be present and taking care of our COVID positive patients as well, not only from a plan standpoint, but also from COVID health and our nursing care facility standpoint. So it really was a unique time in kind of establishing service and making sure that we had the correct assessment a care plan and and really kind of, um, you know, implementing those changes. The telehealth thing is so interesting because I um, have spoken with a lot of people who really believe that like this can't be undone now that people have got to experience what this is like in the skilled nursing setting. And I'm curious, just can you go into some of the changes that Pruitt made around telehealth specifically, just what some of the you know, things you were doing before that you weren't doing earlier, maybe the waivers allowed you to do, or maybe states allowed you to do just what were some of the changes and and where do you see sort of those changes like lasting, like taking a really long lasting effect in terms of how visits are handled or how things are done. It might not even be COVID-19 related. It might be other conditions that you found really worked for, you know, going over telehealth visits. Right. You know, I think that we definitely found for routine, non-acute care, that there was the opportunity to provide telehealth without a huge disruption in both expectation as well as the, the outcome of the care received. Now, that being said, there are some limitations to telehealth, and, and we've you know, found ourselves having to navigate through that. But I think acutely when everyone was kind of dealing with the initial surge of COVID-19, trying to understand what to do to mitigate risk to both the residents in our facility, patients, both long-term and short-term residents in our facility, and even the partners, you know, employees of Pruitt Health. How do we safely provide the services that are needed and and decrease that risk. So, like I said, we found that there were a number of kind of lines of service and specialty services that actually telehealth works well. Dermatology, for instance, being able to still kind of see um, changes in skin or rash or nails or whatever would be evaluated through any type of kind of video or telecommunication allowed that to be done safely. Routine well visits, medication consultation, nutritional counseling, mental health counseling were services that we saw could be provided with sometimes actually enhanced interaction with the, the, the patient and the provider. And so there was not a negative impact to the outcome where I think that their difficulties, particularly in long-term care, is when you have residents that have any cognitive impairment. I think COVID-19 overall has been difficult for this subset of, of patients and residents. One, we've kind of masked literally their interaction with people. They're not able to read facial expressions. It's very offsetting because they're used to a routine and people that they know. And now we're 
we've made it very difficult for them to identify those individuals. There's always not a very clear communication of what may be wrong or if they are having some type of acute discomfort or complaint that, again, from a physical assessment, you may be able to understand better than from a telecommunication. And so sometimes even the technology can be offsetting for that patient population. So I think there's still areas where we have to understand, augment, and still provide the ability to provide face-to-face consultation. But I do think we, you know, the the gates have opened and and we will not go back to business as usual. Um, I believe telehealth delivery is here. We realize that it can be effective, it can be safe, and I see it just only moving forward and growing. On that note, one of the points I wanted to make sure I asked about was just the initiatives that you will uh, be overseeing in terms of quality and safety. Both of those things are important in any normal time, but obviously in a in a pandemic situation like the one we're in, they become even more crucial to making sure that everyone is safe and, and making sure the organization is running smoothly. So I wanted to you know, ask just what are some of the top priorities for you and what are you working on now in terms of those quality and safety initiatives? Is telehealth one of them or are there others that are just top of the line things to focus on right now as you go into this new role of um, corporate medical officer and and senior vice president? Yeah, you know, I think telehealth is is definitely an area that we're all looking at. But I think from, and the first thing I want to say is, you know, some of the initiatives are not new. A lot of it is just core practices that we refocus, realign, and and really stress. So when you look at COVID-19 and long-term care facilities or nursing homes or assistant living facilities, it is really the alignment of continuing the training and infectious control. It is important that we have that top top of mind because we know that, you know, nursing home patients are at extremely high risk for this virus. And given their age and comorbidity, the mortality when infected with COVID-19 is, is much higher. So, you know, while that's not a new initiative, it is important to continuously reinforce this. Because I think all of us, it's just normal to experience COVID fatigue. We've been over 100 days in this initiative of not business as usual and, you know, really redefining our new norm. And so that is important. Uh, I think, again, cross communication. You know, I think any organization and every organization I've been a part of, communication has been key in success. And given the vastness of Pruitt Health in all of its initiatives and and lines of business, I've been incredibly impressed at how well and how nimble the organization has been in communication. And so I think it is a continuation of how do we make sure that everyone understands new initiatives that come out, 
that we partner and and really kind of support one another along all business lines, whether it is our consultant position, our employee position, group position services, our Medicare Advantage, ISNIP, Pruitt Health Premier, as well as our facilities and all ancillary services connected with that, including kind of home health and hospice. And so having those type of initiatives and making sure that we have clinical leadership informed and communicating as COVID-19 continues to be top of mind um, is imperative. Lastly, it is about standardization of care. I think that, you know, I think the long-term care line of business has been one that has been very dictated by regulatory initiatives But COVID-19 has really highlighted the importance of clinical algorithms, standardization in care, making sure that we have the capabilities in our facilities that medical directors wish to initiate. And so I think it's always happened, but maybe there hasn't been as much of a focus in making sure that we're all aligned as much as COVID has brought that to the forefront. So, you know, I really, you know, from from infectious control to education to communication, I think all of those things really get the end result of kind of quality and safety for our residents and partners. And then lastly has been testing. We've been hearing this from the beginning. We've definitely seen recommendations from the CDC and CMS as to types of testing, frequency in testing, protocols for testing of of staff and residents in in nursing care, nursing homes and long-term care facilities. And so, especially as we kind of see the numbers increasing, particularly in the states in which we we work and have business, that has been a, a, a huge initiative as well. It's interesting you mentioned the infection control piece just because that's something I know I am trying to sort of think about once I can get my head out of the immediate 24-hour news coverage, just sort of thinking long-term, what is infection control going to look like and how is it going to be different in skilled nursing facilities now that all of this has happened? Like I, I'm not 100% sure myself, but I feel like it's not going to look the same as it was prior to. No, it, you know, I mean, we you know, prior to COVID, we weren't screening individuals and partners as they come to work every day, you know, for fever and questioning about symptoms or activities outside of work that could necessarily place them in a high risk category. So the the immediacy of, you know, risk evaluation and mitigation is right there every day. And then how we do our day-to-day activity, you know, cohorting patients given COVID testing or symptoms or secondary to them just being discharged from the hospital and really not having this unknown of their, their COVID status was something that didn't exist, you know, over 100 days ago. So, yes, kind of the kind of necessary steps of kind of infection prevention and control practices has really changed our day-to-day activity and how we do that. What hasn't changed for us is that the type of work that we do in, you know, nursing homes and in long-term care facilities really 
kind of puts everyone at risk. It's close contact. You can't social distance when you're helping someone brush their teeth or helping someone get dressed or changing linen or changing them. It means that we are very close. And, and I think navigating the activities to properly care for our residents and patients while still understanding that those activities actually in and of by themselves put us at a moderate risk. There are a number of precautionary, you know, whether it is PPE, personal protective equipment that we wear, whether it is screening, whether it is routine testing that is required now of staff to go through. All of those things are necessary and a huge change over the last couple of months. It's definitely going to be interesting to see what the future holds on that front, because I I think you were talking earlier about how we've been in this for such a long time now. And that was, you know, existing in a state of abnormality, but now it feels like it's starting to become more and more normal. So seeing how that goes will will definitely end up being being something to just keep an eye on as, as we go through this. I'm curious myself. It's I've been covering the skilled nursing space since like 2018, so it's definitely been mm-hmm. definitely been a wild ride the past couple of years. Yes, yes, it really has. And and I tell I I was telling someone I said it's kind of like having a new baby. You <laughs> get home and you're exhausted and you're up every so many hours of feeding, but after a point, to your point, it does become your new norm. And so I do think that there was an initial learning, okay, you know, we were feet on the ground rushing into this. This is what we have to do. I think that there can be, and I think it's it's very important to constantly have training modules, conferences, teleconferences, group meetings to say, okay, this is what, these are the changes. This is what we're learning. This is how we have to augment. And it sometimes can feel a little overwhelming. And then I think you get into the cadence of, okay, this is our new norm. This is not going away. I think we will screen individuals moving forward. And as people get more comfortable, as we get more knowledgeable, as we have available appropriate tools, I think we acclimate. And we understand that, okay, this is what's required, and we move forward. So I'm encouraged and really amazed at how quickly everyone adjusted to kind of this new norm. Well, hopefully we can keep adjusting in that way. Um, I think on that note, I would, on that hopeful note, I would, I would want to end it. Dr. Songs, thank you so much for making the time to join us today to, to talk about where things are, are going and, and what you're seeing. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Rethink. If you like what you heard, please subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. And for more news and insights on the skilled nursing industry, subscribe to our daily or weekly newsletters at skillednursingnews.com. I'm Maggie Flynn, and this has been a production of Aging Media Network, Chicago, Illinois.